Yeah, uh, for you that may be guests and, and you're not knowing who that is, uh, Nathan and Mariah, the two with the little one there, they um, are out of Central and they are serving in Japan right now. And, and uh, uh, it's a neat thing. And Jonathan and Amanda, they were in first service, and Jonathan and Amanda are back from Japan. They spent the spent a couple of months out of their summer there with them. And I know Jonathan and Amanda's heart, man. They they uh, man. Uh, God's got got His hand on them. It's such a blessing, and so they are in reentry, and uh, we just we just pray for them. And they brought that back from Nathan and Mariah, so it was good just to kind of see them and, and what they're doing in Japan. So we pray for them. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to First John chapter four, and um, let me just kind of talk to you a few minutes uh, as we open God's Word today. Uh, I, I love what God's teaching us through First John. It's so practical. Last week, hopefully, uh, you took to heart what I shared with you, that one of my goals in, in coming before our budget team as we prepare the 20, uh, 2017, end of the year, 2018 budget, is that there's going to be an amount in there about community outreach that what I'm doing is I'm challenging every small group, every Bible fellowship, every group that meets, is that you pray that God would open your eyes, and I hopefully you're already praying that, God, open our eyes to how we can meet the need of, of individuals. And it may be a single mom. It may be a family that's in need. It may be any number of things, an elderly person. It could be just somebody that's in your neighborhood. But here's the deal. Anybody could take $50,000 or $100,000 and, and go spend it with one check. And I, I understand that. But that's not what God's calling. I, I think he's calling us to open our eyes to those that he's put around us so that we are, we are loving on them. And Because and, last week we talked about... This is going to be the tattoo. This is going to be the mark of those that are followers of Jesus is the love they have for one another and, and for others. And so we want to be about the business of loving. We want that to be who we are as we live in this community. I, I, I've said it a thousand times that if Central, for some reason, were to have to close its doors, I wouldn't want our community to know instantly that there's a void because Central is not here and I believe that, but it's because of you and you taking uh, the challenge of what you need to be doing. So I encourage you with that. You know, one other thing before we, we pray about God's Word. You know, when, when many of you came to Christ, I know many of you in this room are Christ followers, is that I don't know what they told you initially. Sometimes we're, we're, we're bad about sharing the gospel in such a way that it's like we're doing a sales pitch. And sometimes we want to, if we give the sales pitch, it means you're over here, you need to be in a better place, and, and this is what needs to happen, and, and you, you, uh, you're doing bad things in your life, now you need to do good things. I mean, we, we kind of give a pitch that's not very accurate sometimes, and sometimes we give people the impression that if you come to Jesus, you're never going to have a problem again. And uh, then all of a sudden somebody comes to Christ, they believe that, and then life comes along and they get hit in the face and they're thinking, what happened? Did I really not receive Christ? What, what really happened in the midst of that? And so we, we, we have this problem. And part of it, there is an enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, that, that uh, his, what he tries to do is he tries to come against those who are followers of Christ, and we see that this is part of suffering is part of being a Christ follower, and we see this happen. Gary Larson, who did the old Far Side comics that many of you see, there was one that was my favorite, and I, I wanted to put it up here uh, because <clears throat> bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And I think we need to understand, and I think John is pretty clear in bringing this out, is that you come to Christ, 
There's an enemy that's going to try to mar the image of Christ. And, and you know as well as I do, you're tempted. I mean, you, you're sitting up there and you're tempted. I mean, you go through stuff and it's like, it's like this target's been put on us that, uh, that the enemy wants to, wants to come against us. But that's all right. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And it's not like here's God and here's Satan and they're equal powers and this kind of stuff. God is, God is God. He's all authority. He's ever present. That's who he is. Satan is a created being. He, he has limited authority on what God allows him to do. And, uh, and that's, that's the way things are. So, uh, you, you, you see where I'm coming on this thing because I, I don't want to say, oh, you follow Jesus and life's going to fall apart on you. It's actually going to make sense for the first time. Uh, as a follower of Christ. But we're going to read 1 John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to go through verse 6 today. So let's unpack what God is saying as we look at the Scriptures here. And it says this, John is writing, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. It's a literally, it's a, it's a little bit stronger than the, the version here makes it. He's actually saying, stop believing every spirit. And by spirit, he's talking about the, the, the influence. In other words, the spirit of something that comes forth, the, the teachings of someone. Do not believe, stop believing every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And I'll define that in just a minute. Which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. And here you go. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not, not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. I want to try to unpack this for us a little bit today. Is Jim on there? Hang on just a second. Okay, okay, there he is. Hold on. I can hear him good? Okay. This is Jim Rowan. He's in Romania. Jim, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you, you hear a little bit? Oh, okay. Yeah, very cool. It's much better this time. Okay. Yeah. Are, what are you, on a mountain? We have 45 gypsy kids coming that we're going to start arts and crafts and do our VBS curriculum with them. All right. So we just ask that you pray for us, man. We have a we have a busy week coming up. Forty five kids. Now, did you take some of Bruce and Sandy's kids too, or is this just just kids from there? This was all our VBS playing crafts. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, man. Well, thanks for interrupting my sermon. Oh, well, you were on a roll. You'll pick it back up. I, I know. I'm gonna have to start over though to to go into this thing. All right, Jim. I will appreciate that. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Love you, man. See you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know some of you keep up with things on Facebook. You know, Brian and Tina Dempsey left on uh, Tuesday, and Jim Rowan left on Thursday. Brian and Tina are, are in the uh, 
Suchavia area of Romania, and they're doing a revival outdoor kind of concert thing. And uh, you've seen some of you have seen the pictures. Twenty thousand showed up outside to to uh, for that thing. That's amazing. And then uh, Jim, uh, just so that some of you know, um, I'll cut my message a little bit. Um, somebody's thinking, "Oh, brother, here he goes." Um, Jim takes is taking our VBS curriculum. He's with the Waiwaioli family, and they are going. What he said is the Gypsy Camp starts today that they are doing, and they take all of our VBS uh, uh, curriculum and everything. We've been doing this for years to take it there and to minister in that area. So uh, that's where Jim's at. So I think that's kind of neat. You know, uh, I said. I said in the first service that uh, we we recycle well, you know we recycle our stuff. We're we're green church. Okay. In closing, uh, no, I have some good points to make here that I want I want to unpack this just a little bit. In the 1840s in California, they had what was called the Gold Rush, and we know that the 49ers football team came out from San Francisco. The title. But in the 1840s, this gold rush took place, and people people would go, uh, leave everything, sell everything they had, go west with the hopes of finding gold that they were going to uh, hit it rich. Now, they would find gold, but there was also another thing that created a problem for them, is they found what we call pyrite, fool's gold. And uh, if they had real gold, it was worth millions to set them up forever. And if they found false gold, it was not any good. So what they had to do is they had to figure out a test on how to to keep real gold and false gold. How would they know the difference? Because it looked it looked alike. And so what would be the difference? So they had a test that they did. One was is that real gold is softer than pyrite. So in other words, you've seen some of these old things where they're panning for gold or something and they bite on it. The reason they would bite on it is is because real gold is softer uh, a softer mineral than than the false gold, and so that would be one. The second one was is that if you took false gold and you would rub it like on something hard and it would leave kind of a chalky residue, it would be a different color than than the real gold. So they set up tests so that you would know what was genuine and what was false. And uh, what John is doing here today is see this false teaching that come in. I think there's tons of false teaching today. This false teaching has come in, and what has happened is is that he's trying to set forth, listen, these people have come out from you, and they're saying some things that are not real, but it's going to sound real. It's going to look genuine. It's going to seem like the real deal, but it's not the real deal. And here's a test for you to know that. I think this is very appropriate for us today because I'm afraid a lot of people are buying into false teachings, and it's, and it's leading the church astray. And so what I want to do is I want to, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about this How do we test things to see that they're true? And I think it's going to be very helpful to you. Let me give you a couple of thoughts just as we get into this, though, because I think this is important that you hear. First of all, if something sounds godly, it doesn't mean it is godly. You can use the right terminologies. You can use uh, the right kind of phrases, and uh, it still not be truth, but it sounds godly. Here's another thing. Just because the teacher is good or he's charismatic or he's energetic, doesn't mean that it's truth. 
There's many good speakers that don't know Christ at all, but there's many who are out there and they think they're proclaiming the truth and they're energetic about it and they're charismatic and people are saying, yeah, I believe them because this is the way they are. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's truthful. I think sometimes, sidebar, I think we as Christians want a billboard type of Christian so much. That's why when an athlete talks about Christ and an entertainer talks about Christ, we want to put them up in front of the world. And they may be weak and immature in their faith, but we want them to be the spokesman. And that's not fair to anybody to do that. Here's another thought. Uh, just because crowds show up doesn't mean it's the real deal. doesn't mean that it's truth. Just because somebody is sincere... Man, they can cry. They can be sincere. But the sad thing is, is they can be sincerely wrong. Just because they use the Bible doesn't mean it's truth. I mean, we take the Scriptures and people have defended some of the most horrendous things. They've defended abortion. They've defended slavery. They've defended racism. They've def- uh, defended same-sex uh, union. They, they have used the same Scriptures as we do. But, you know, you read that and you think... Wow, how did they, how were they able to do that? And so we can twist the scriptures. So I want you to know that just because these things are there does not mean it's truth. So we need to be only aware of what it really means to be truth. And I, and I mentioned to you that it talked about the spirit of the Antichrist. And you need to get this spirit of the Antichrist. So let me read this. Satan is a liar and a deceiver. His goal is to mar the image of God in any way he can... First, he attempts to keep a person from Christ. And secondly, he attempts to keep a person from living a life that displays Christ. So if he can keep a person from coming to Christ, that's one thing. But if a person comes to Christ and he can mar the image of Christ in that individual, he gives a poor testimony, and that is the spirit of the Antichrist. So here comes this teaching, and the enemy is, is behind the spirit of teaching. And I've shared with you a few weeks back that the word antichrist, the anti can refer to two things. One, it can refer to against. So if somebody gets up and blasphemes Jesus and says Jesus was this and Jesus was that and you know it's not true, you, you, put, up the, you put up the time out real quick and say, okay, I know that's antichrist. But the other part it can mean is in place of or in addition to. In other words, you come along and somebody teaches and says, oh, yeah, you need Jesus Plus, you need to do this. You need Jesus. Plus, you need to do good works. You need Jesus. Plus, you need to be baptized. You need Jesus. Plus, you need to go to church every Sunday. Or you need to go knock on doors in your neighborhood. Or you need to go do these things. Listen, that is Antichrist. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so that is what the Scriptures teach us. So if somebody comes and tells you, oh, Jesus was a liar, Jesus was this, you can, you can put up and say, oh, I know that's not true. But if somebody comes up and says, yeah, I know you need Jesus, but you need Jesus plus this. And, and there's many religions out there that have had Jesus and they've added to, oh, he's like a good luck charm. He's like a rabbit's foot. I want to add Jesus to whoever else I worship, and Jesus is just part of it. And so that's what the spirit of the Antichrist is. So when false teaching comes along, we can think, oh, I don't need to take it that serious. You better take it very serious because it's leading many people astray. So here's the test. Three, three questions that you need to ask as teaching comes along, including the teaching I do. And the scripture, scriptures teach, a, teach us that teachers will be held to a higher accountability because of we, we have an opportunity to lead people astray. And I hope we don't. 
So here's the first question and how to test the spirits. Does it match up with God's word? Does it match up with God's word? Now, you're, you're looking at the scripture and say, Mark, he doesn't mention the Bible. He doesn't really mention scripture. I know, but you're looking at a people who knew the scriptures from the Old Testament scriptures, but, but he is coming with the truth. So I want to, I want to address this just a few moments. Uh, Paul and Silas one time were going through an area called Berea. And in Berea, they would teach in the synagogues, and it says that the Bereans, after they finished talking, would go and search the scriptures, which they had the Old Testament, the prophets, and they would, they would study that to see that what they were saying is truthful. And that's what the Bereans would do. And that's what we, we, we need to do. Most sad that, that we live in a biblically illiterate day. Even though most of you have version on your phones or your pads, you have uh, Bibles all in your uh, library, we still live in a very biblically ignorant, illiterate day. Uh, I'm going to give you some statements, and I'm telling you, none of these statements are in the Scriptures, but people believe they are. Here's one. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in the Scriptures, but yet probably many a parent has gone after their kid with that. Jesus said cleanliness. No, it's not in there. Here's another one. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the scriptures. Um, Here's one that when I read it, somebody will challenge, as I was challenged after the first service. God will never give me more than I can handle. Many people go to that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 passage, which says he will not let you be tempted without giving you a way of escape. But what about the people that suffer? And they're going through suffering. I have a neighbor who, when he goes through hard times, and he'll say, Mark, I know God won't give me more than I can handle. And I have to say, Joe, that's not correct. God will give you more than you can handle, so you have to depend on him. And so that, that's, that's not in the Scriptures. Here's another one. God wants me to be happy. Sure, that's in there somewhere. Um, or this one. When someone dies, God gets another angel. Listen, when you die, you don't become an angel. Uh, And then all dogs go to heaven. There's one we try to find in there too. The Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. But that one's not in there either. I wrote down some of my thoughts, and I want you just to hear this. With the incredible increase in Christian literature today... People are turning to what others say instead of reading the Scriptures for themselves. And when we look to others, we always look for the easy route. We try to find how-to books that make it a little easier than, than what the Scripture says in dying to self and, 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 and growing in godliness and, and these kind of things. So you need to know God's Word. So how do you know God's Word? Just some steps that I think are very practical for you in knowing God's Word. Number one is this, get a Bible. Now you're saying, Mark, i got a thousand Bibles. That's the problem. You need to get one, the one you're going to read. And you need to, you need to get it. I don't care if it's leather and, and pages or it's digital. I, I don't care. You need one that you're going to read. And uh, there was a... There was a preacher that had a Bible, and he had one of those Bibles, you know, that was would flimsy and could hold it open and that kind of stuff. And somebody walked up to him and says, man, I want my Bible to do that. How do you get your Bible just to do that? And he said, it takes palm oil. I said, where do I get palm oil? 
He said, right here in your palms. He said, that's it. You know, the, the, the Scriptures, we need to have the Scriptures and Scriptures that we can read. You can get Bibles given away. R.D. gives away thousands of Bibles as a Gideon, but, but you need one that you're going to read. And, and what I, I love to bring this one up. This is The Way. How many of you had a, The Way back in the time? This, uh, this is when it first came out, and I was a teenager. I struggled with the King James Version at that time. And, and I was able to pick this up and read it, and it became clarity. The Holy Spirit used it to speak to me. So get a Bible. Number two is get a plan, and you need a systematic plan. What I mean by systematic plan is you need something. Don't ever do this. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever do this. Don't. Oh, the wind will blow it open, God, and I know that's what you want me to read. Don't do that. Just don't do that. Get a systematic plan that you can read daily. Mine, I'm still old-fashioned. I've got it on, on paper. I keep my plan in my Bible all the time, and I mark it. And uh, so get a systematic plan that you can use. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to read ten chapters a day. I'd rather you read a, a verse or a paragraph and, and let, the, let God use it than to take in too much. So get a systematic plan. Thirdly is this, is you need a journal or a scrap paper or a pen or your notes in your phone. You need something so that when God triggers something in there, whether it's a question, whether it's something you don't understand, whether it's a word from God, you're able to jot it down. And for me, I, uh, for me, I just journal. I, I'll find something. I don't journal every day, but I'll write it down. I've told Pam, I've got bunches of them in my office. I said, when I die, go write a book. It's going to be really good. Just go find the journals because there's some good stuff in here. But you need, you need that. And then here's another thought is memorize key scriptures. Memorize those key verses. I mean, it's like putting oil in a, in a reservoir so that God, the Holy Spirit can use it to bring it back up. So I, I encourage you to do that. And then, and then the last thing under reading the scriptures is this. Read the scriptures so you you know what you really believe. So that you know what you really believe. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about the church? What do you believe about uh, life issues that you face? This is your authority. We're not worshiping the Bible, but it's the and how God has revealed Himself. So number one is is does it how does it match up against God's word? Number two is this. There's only three. Number three is, number two is this. What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about Jesus? And this is where John really uh, unpacks it. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, here's what I want you to see in that verse. Just look at it right quick. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus, what's the next word? Christ. The reason I want you to understand that is, is Jesus Christ. Christ was not his last name. Okay? Christ is his title and who he is. Jesus, he was fully man. He came to earth. He lived. He died. He breathed the air we breathe. He was tempted as we were tempted. He was 100% man. Jesus, Yeshua in the Old Testament, Joshua, the deliverer. That was what his name meant. That's who Jesus was. So he says the one that believes Jesus, Jesus, that he came in the flesh, that is one thing you believe. You see, they had false teachers in the church that would handle that Jesus was flesh, but they had a hard hard time handling that he was divine. So Jesus. But then it says he was Christ. 
Who is Christ? Christ is the promised one from God. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the one who came to live, who died on a cross, who rose from the dead, who ascended to the Father, who is coming back one day. He died in the place of all mankind so that anyone who puts their faith in Him would have eternal life. That is who Christ is. So what John is saying here is the one who comes along and says that, yes, Jesus was fully man, yet he was the fully sacrifice for all of mankind. It's that man who teaches the truth. That is what the truth is. It's not just saying that they're saying, oh, Jesus was a man. No, 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 that's not what he is saying. He is saying the truth of the gospel in that Jesus was fully man, he was fully God. And you need to grasp that. I know it's hard for us to get our minds around it, but by faith we receive that Jesus took my place on a bloody cross so that I could have eternal life. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that truth. It's that truth that John is laying forth so that anyone who will buy into that will understand that there is no other way, that it's in Christ alone. And, and, and right behind that, there's another question about Jesus that I, I want you to think about. Still under this, about what does he say about Jesus? But does this teaching about Jesus make me more in love with Jesus and make me want to pursue him more? Okay? You understand what I'm saying? When, when he's teaching about Jesus, it's not just that he's teaching about Jesus, but there's something in this teaching that makes me want to pursue Jesus more and makes me love Jesus more. It makes me hunger for more Jesus. Paul in the New Testament. See, see, for some reason, we have this false teaching that when we come to Christ, it's all said and done. There's nothing else that needs to happen. Paul never taught that in the New Testament. In Philippians 3, he says, he says that I may know him more, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Not that I've already obtained this, but I press on with all that is within me. All of his life was a pursuit of coming to know Christ more. And so with us, we need to see that what God has done is he has given us this hunger for pursuing Christ more. And so this truth teaching is going to be one that creates a hunger in you for loving Christ and knowing him better. And so, you know, somebody may teach and, and you're thinking, oh, that was good teaching. Yeah, that was good teaching. But, but is there something in you that triggers for you to want more of him? So, you're with me. Does, what does it say as compared up against God's word? What does it truly say about Jesus? And then here's the third one. You ready for this? It, 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 it is this. Does the Spirit confirm it in me? You know, when you come to Christ... He takes His very presence, His Holy Spirit, and places Him inside of you. Does the Spirit confirm it in me that this teaching is truth? And, and notice what it says in the Scriptures that I just read to you there at the end. But it says, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of falsehood. The Spirit within us is, is what is calling us. In John sixteen thirteen, it says this, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. In other words, the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into all truth. And so you can, you can, if you're listening to somebody teach, and all of a sudden there's this check that comes in your spirit. I don't mean a judgmental check. I don't mean a boredom check. I mean a check that, hmm, I'm not sure that that's right. And you're thinking, man, I'm just not sure that's what the Word of God is saying. See, a lot of times that's the Holy Spirit just showing you, hey, you need to double check on this one. Not that it's wrong, but you need to check this one. 
This is a check for you. And in John 10, 27, John said this. He was quoting Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So as, as followers of Jesus, we're going to know his voice and we're going to walk in that. So is there something here that doesn't sound like the shepherd? I, I just don't, that just doesn't sound like Jesus. And one of the thoughts that goes through my mind, have you ever heard a preacher that is just angry about everything? I mean, just angry. I mean, he's sharing the love of God and he's angry. And you're just thinking, man, what's he angry at? I mean, there's got to be something in him that's just not right. I mean, to, to be that way, that's, that's why sometimes, and I know somebody's saying, Mark, you sound mad a lot. You, I hope I'm mad about the right thing. But, but you, you hear that and the Spirit says, man, maybe that is truth, but, but that's just not resonating as truth, you know? So how do you discern truth? By the Spirit when somebody's speaking. Here, here's a quick, here's a quick thing for you. Number, number one is this, is that you need to stay close to the shepherd. You know, any sheep that's walking close to the, to his shepherd, when any kind of evil comes, it can be distracted away quickly. Not because of the sheep, but because of the shepherd. And so we need to, we need to walk closely with Christ. And, and the closer we walk with Him, when that target, that bummer of a birthmark, you know, the, 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 the fiery darts hit that shield of faith and not us. Here's the second thing. You walk in obedience and you won't quench the Spirit. Some of you have, have uh, sprinkler systems that are built in. Some of you right now are having to drag the hose around the house and, and you're dragging the hose and dragging the hose and your wife is over there at the, the thing and you put the sprinkler down and say, cut it on! And then nothing's coming out and then, then you have marital conflict. I said, cut it on! And I have cut it on! And, you know, you're yelling back and forth and neighbors are listening and, and so you think... Man, I don't know what's going on. So you, you go back, you track the hose, and you finally come to where there's a kink in the hose. And so you unkink it, and now the sprinkler is working okay. And uh, so w- what, what we do is when we choose to walk in disobedience before the Lord or we have sin in our life that we're not willing to confess and deal with, what we do is we kink the hose of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. And so we need to come and, and God, I confess. I confess this to you. I, I conf- or if we need to get right with somebody else, God, I confess this. And then the Holy Spirit has that chance to work, work through us again. So stay in touch with the shepherd. Walk in obedience. Don't quench the spirit. And then thirdly is this, is simply ask God to give you the gift of discernment. God, let me discern. When I'm hearing, I, ne- I need to discern truth here right quick. All right, home stretch. Why is it so important that we test the spirits? Three quick little thoughts. Number one is this. Many, many will miss the kingdom without the truth. You may think, well, Mark, I can discern truth. Yeah, but if truth is going out and it's false, how many people are being led astray? We've got to know truth. Number two is this. Christ's kingdom is often ridiculed when believers do not walk in the truth. And, and the world has every right to ridicule us when we do not live according to what we believe. They have every right to ridicule. And then they think, well, those Christians, they're not even on the same page about, about life. I'm thinking God has laid out an ultimate authority here, so we need to walk in truth. And then the third thing is this, is that when you get caught up in false teachings, you weaken your faith. You weaken your faith when you walk in false teachings. Let me, let me finish with this story. Ravi Zacharias, some of you have heard of Ravi Zacharias, smartest man I think I ever hear speak. 
He's from India originally, but, but he's a Christian apologist. doesn't mean he's sorry for the faith. It just means he defends the faith is what that means. And uh, when Robbie Zacharias talks, man, I listen because he uses words that beyond me, and I'm trying to focus. But I, but I heard Robbie Zacharias tell a story, a true story. He said that a, a friend called him up uh, late one night, and he called him up and he said, uh, Robbie, are you awake? And Robbie's like, no, I'm not awake. But he, he said, what do you need? He said, I need you to, to pray for me right now. And this man who called him was a doctor, a friend that was a doctor, a Christ follower, worked in an ER. And Robbie said, okay, what's going on? What do I need to pray for? He said, tonight we had an emergency come in. Young lady came in, um, ter- terribly uh, traumatized, uh, things things that happened to her that I cannot even begin to know who did these things to her. And my heart was just broken over her. And, and, and she's so traumatized that, you know, her heart has quit beating. And so there, there's discussion on what to do. And most people say she's beyond help. And, and I thought, no, something in me said she's not beyond help. And so he said, I knew the only thing to do because nothing was working to shock her back to life or anything. I said, I knew the only thing to do was to make an incision and go in and manually um, massage the heart to try to get it back going again. So as I've gone in and, and I'm uh, squeezing the heart manually to try to get it going again, said uh, one of the nurses comes over to me and, and says, Doc, you've got to understand that we just went through all of her uh, paraphernalia and in her purse was just tons of drug paraphernalia and uh, old needles, all of these kind of things that she has, has done. Said her her blood is tainted with, with uh, drugs and everything that is going on there. Who knows what is in her uh, that, that is happening. And, uh, and he said, he said uh, Robbie, the reason I'm calling you is that when I inserted my hand in there, there was, there was a, a small tear that took place in the gloves. And so my hand was in tainted blood as I was trying to give life to this lady. And Robbie would be like me because I'm, I'm pretty ignorant. You in the medical profession know a lot more than me. And he asked the question, he said, how big was the cut? And, and he, said, he said, it was like a paper cut that happened in my finger. He said it was as small as a paper cut. And Robbie said, are you meaning to tell me that something as small as a paper cut could create uh, poison in your life and give you something to make you deathly ill? He said, oh, yes, it can happen. Now, what happened to the rest of the story, the guy was okay, but Robbie Zacharias makes the point that I want to make right now. It's so often we have this mentality, oh, just a little bit of junk, a little bit of stuff. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. And I'm not here to talk about movies and TV and what you read and all that kind of stuff. Only you know you've got to, you've got to be careful with the filth that's out there. But we've got to understand that maybe just a little bit of cut a little bit of stuff can, can make us sick. And I'm going to say this, and I wonder, I wonder because I'm part of it, I wonder if the church in America is not a little bit sick right now because we've put our hands in too much tainted blood. That's hard to say. It's hard to say. But what about you? I want you to bow your head with me just a moment, if you would. And I want to pray for you. In just a minute, the prayer 
teams are going to come down. And in fact, why don't you all come on down, elders and prayer team, and just make yourself available. These people are here to pray with you. Maybe you just need prayer today. Maybe something was said and, and there is a conviction that you need to come in obedience to pray. Maybe you have a son or daughter that's uh, wandered. You need to pray or a husband, his wife. Maybe uh, God has put somebody on your heart that you need to pray for today. Maybe your your financial financial needs or whatever. I, I'm just I, I'm just um, I'm just saying that this is a holy moment. Maybe you need to come to the Lord's table today, and it's on my left, and you just need that intimacy at the Lord's table, or you need to come kneel at these steps. Maybe you need to pray that. You've been putting stuff into your life, tainted blood, that you need to say, God, please forgive me. Father, I pray over the next few moments, God, would you speak to our hearts. Lord, lead us towards your truth right now. Lord, your word is truth. Jesus, you said that you were the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by you. So, Lord, this spirit of the Antichrist has put way too many options out there for people. We need you and you alone. So, Lord, would you speak to us now? Speak to us now.